following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. I mean, so many of our teenagers that we work with in Positive Presence Global, what we see, with all due respect to our families, because we recognize everyone's growing, everyone's evolving, everyone's healing, is that a lot of the teenage girls, we ask them, uh, you know, you're talking poorly about yourself. How? Why? And a lot of those girls respond, because my mom does it, because I saw my mom do it, because my mom taught me. You know, like, I mean, when we look as mothers and daughters, our daughters, uh, where are their first tr- Role model. Evoke Creative is a proud sponsor of Two Kids and a Career. They help small business owners like me brand with purpose and market with intent. The ladies at Evoke Creative will help make your digital presence known. Learn more at evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. It is never easy to have the tough conversations. And that's one of the reasons, though, why I created this podcast. We have to have the tough conversations in order to grow, in order to not feel isolated. Those tough conversations need to happen. And this week, I have invited Michelle Marie King on to have some tough conversations And let me first read this from Michelle's website to give you a little bit of an idea of what we're going to be talking about. So when Michelle had her daughter in 2015, she felt overwhelmed, overwhelmed with joy for the life she brought into this world and her beauty and overwhelmed for the struggles and darkness this child could possibly face throughout her life. It was her instinct to protect her. And it was at this time Michelle realized how she could do that. Michelle knows her daughter will never avoid all of the pitfalls of coming of age as a young woman in this world, but she had an idea for how to possibly make it just a little bit better, not only for her daughter, but for others as well. At this moment, Positive Presence Global was truly formed. And I really connected with that, Michelle, because it was in the moment of maternity leave with my oldest that this podcast started to form. And it's because of those isolating moments, those thoughts that you have, those tough conversations that aren't had but need to be had. And so I am so, so looking forward to this conversation. Michelle Marie King, welcome to Two Kids and a Career. Yeah, gosh. And thank you so much for just like seeing that aspect on our on our website. Cause that's such an important I mean, that was like an that was the catalyst, you know, to everything was being a mom. It it, it really truly shaped um, every, my entire future, you know? So I, I'm so grateful for people like you that exist for like giving moms a place to just listen and talk and recognize that like, you're so incredible being a mom too, you know? Um, but thank right. you. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it all started, I would say when I was in my teens, I was like a lot of the teenagers that we work with. I, um, was in my own mirror, you know, and what, in my own reflection, I was short and ugly and fat. And, you know, I had a lot of these negative connotations that I felt about myself. And no one ever taught me 
emotional intelligence, affirmations, positive psychology, none of these things. It was like, what you see is what you get. And what I saw was not good. And so that's, I felt like I, this was what my life was going to be. It was this ugly, you know, like girl with brown poofy hair. And I, um, it, it made me question so much about my future. And um, it wasn't until I was kind of quote unquote found back in the day, early 2000s, late 90s, when um, I was found by this hairstylist, Justin Isaac of Redkin Fifth Avenue, um, who's now an international colorist. And um, he found me at a local mall and he literally comes running down the mall and (laughs) this stranger, the California guy, and um, he tapped me on my shoulder and he's like, oh my God, your hair is incredible. And I'm like, you're not my hair's the worst attribute about me. And he's like, no, no, like you've got to come. I have this meeting right next door at the hotel. And he's like, I, I'm, here's my card. I'm part of Redkin. And he's like, can you please come? I will give you $500 and I will teach you how to like how to work with your hair. And of course, you know, 16, he had me at the $500. Let's be honest. (laughs) I was like, okay, yep, I'll be there. And so I I roll up and he saw me, you know, no makeup, hair crazy, torn jeans. I I rolled up in my car and just same as he saw me. And I I opened up this uh, ballroom where he said I was going to meet him and his team. And I open up the room and there are hundreds of girls that are five, nine or taller, size two or smaller, like beautiful model type girls. And I'm like, what did I just step into? And I was about to walk out the door and he comes running down the aisle after me. And he's like, no, 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 Michelle. And pulls me past all of these incredibly beautiful, young, talented women. And he puts me on the stage and his team and him start fondling through my hair, which is very normal in, in hair shows. And they, he's like, Michelle, and he kneels down in front of me and he said, Michelle, I'm going to make you my Marilyn Monroe. And that was the turning point for me where I was like, what the hell does this guy see in me? And why don't I see the same thing in myself? And that's honestly, that was the catalyst for me. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, first of all, maybe in like the year 2023, I would be like, oh, you should have totally ran creepy guy approaching you. What in the heck? But then there's no malls really. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. At the age of 16, $500 does sound nice. But even at the age of 45, $500 sounds nice. Anyway, so no. Um, but what's so crazy that you said is the beginning of what you saw in the mirror. And like, I'm nodding my head and thinking, oh my gosh, same things. Like, what was it? And I I mean, do you have a pinpoint of, I, I get really careful when I talk about this stuff because like, I don't, I know that there are some people who their parents, they said the mean things. They they did the mean things. Like I don't ever feel like that was something with my parents at all, who I'm extremely close with. But there had to have been some sort of language or something. I don't know. I try to dig into that all the time as to why what I see in the mirror, even to this day, is not what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. And it's so, it's like this whole construct of complexities, honestly, you know, because you're exactly right. I mean, and I feel like every 
young girl and, and woman in today's world, especially moms. I mean, like I I think what's so complex about it is that as women, you know, we are we're literally given birth to all of the generational trauma and emotions and feelings and constructs that our moms experienced from their mom and their mom before them and their mom before them. And that's passed through our our DNA, like the color of our eyes, you know? So, and I think that it's so, it's, sometimes it feels so irrelevant because it's so um it, it's so intangible but i think as we become our own person and our own human in this world we that's a humongous aspect of what makes us us and why we feel and think the way that we do particularly about ourselves and i think what's even more complex is that as we get older and as we start you know kind of expanding our circle beyond our parents and our home and our family dynamics, Dynamic and we start having friendships and we start getting like seeing ads and seeing social media and getting our own phone and having neighbors and having our own children. Like we get more and more prone to these, um, these external um, complexities of, you know, beauty and what it means to be a mom and definitive, you know, like um, ideals of what I should be doing and what's wrong and what's right. And, and you know, like all of those things mixed with all of the internal generational trauma and all of a sudden we're in this melting point a, a melting pot of just struggle and stress and strain and we wonder why at 45 50 60 we're we're a mess you know mm. and i think it's mm-hmm. so important like do you do you recognize that too like that there's just so much stuff that's just like you carry with you that you don't even realize exists yeah, and I and I know that it takes work. Like that is one of the differences I think between people is that you can either have the mindset that you don't change and that's just who you are or you can say I recognize that this is going on, what am I doing to change it? And something that, you know, when I read that bio earlier, what came to mind too when you said um after you gave birth and you thought about the struggles and the darkness that your child could possibly face. When my husband and I first started talking about potentially having kids, because I wasn't, I wasn't on board. I didn't think I would have kids. I was like, nah, not for me. One of the things I remember saying to him, and it may sound so, I don't know the correct adjective to describe it, but I had said, I don't want to pass along the gene of my acne because my acne, that messed me up when I was in high school. That was like to this day, what I see is definitely not what you see probably, but I just can see the past and some of the damage that it did. I also said, I don't want to pass along the, you know, potential depression and anxiety that I can face. And it wasn't like we had this aha moment and said, oh, well, we will cross that bridge when it comes. It was just like, yeah, that could happen. And so then now I'm trying to, with two little girls, a six and a four-year-old, I am trying to make sure that I, if there's one thing that I could do because, you know, us moms, us moms and dads will we'll always mess up our kids, 
Hi, Michelle. Uh, if there's one thing that I do not want them to, let's say, grow up and have a podcast and talk about is that <laughs> their body image is bad or or talk about fat or talk about diets. Mm-hmm. And I know that starts with me and how I talk to myself and how I look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. I'm so glad that you say that because, I mean, so many of our teenagers that we work with in Positive Presence Global, um, you know, what we see, with all due respect to our families, because we recognize everyone's growing, everyone's evolving, everyone's healing, um, is that a lot of the teenage girls, we ask them, uh, you know, you're talking poorly about yourself. How? Why? And a lot of those girls respond because my mom does it, because I saw my mom do it, because my mom taught me. You know, like, I mean, when we look as mothers and daughters, our daughters, uh, we're their first true role model. Like, we're as important to them as, like, uh, well, Tyra Banks was back in my day, but, you know, as like, um, I'm trying to think of like someone really incredible in the media that every young person can relate to. I, and I can't, I'm so old now. I can't put my finger on it. But like, we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm of no yeah, help. Right? I mean, it's like, we're as important to them when they're growing up as like the most popular person on social media is to them when they're a teenager and they're looking up to us the same way they're going to look up to them. And so it really, really does start with us. And we can't, I I talk to so many moms and I think a lot of moms are like, okay, well, let's sit down and let's have a conversation. And they, they think, they perceive that that's enough. And the reality is that kids, especially young kids, are like my daughter's seven going on eight. Um, she doesn't understand these words. So when I say affirmations, positivity, love yourself, emotional intelligence, like th- she doesn't comprehend. She's on a level where she can comprehend that. And so I can't just speak about speaking to yourself positively. I The way in which my daughter is going to learn is by seeing, reinforcing behavior. And I think that like when I, when I help parents understand that, they have to come to this, um, almost this awareness that Wow, I'm at a point where if I want my daughter to change, my my kid to change, my kid to grow and and not struggle and not be sad, I first have to grow. I first have to change and I first have to look in the mirror and that's intimidating I think to a lot of people. Oh, y- yes. <laughs> All right. I want to dive into those teenagers a little bit more. Um you always hear that the teenage years are so difficult and that, you know, we're not going to have a great relationship with our kids. And some will say, no, that's completely opposite. I, it's not good to get anxiety over what you have no control over or the future. But I think I am more aware now of what girls are going through as far as middle school. Like, I don't remember in my particular case there being this awful thing that happened, which I'm sure, I I mean, I do remember certain little fights where, you know, we get upset with each other, but it feels so much bigger now. And I think part of it's because of social media. Mm-hmm. And so I have heard from several parents that have either boys or a combo of boy girls 
everybody basically, that it is harder in those middle school teenage years with girls than it is with boys. And my concern, my major concern is the coping mechanism now versus when I was in school. And I will say, frankly, just brutally honest, you know, suicide, those numbers, it's just, it's bothering me. So I was wondering if we can tap into that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, gosh, suicide is the number one form of death for teenagers and young adults in today's society. And I remember doing keynotes in like 2015, 2016, where it was number two. And I was saying by the year 2020, it's going to be number one. And that got ex- that got expeditiously um, increased because of COVID, unfortunately. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm so glad that you're shedding light on it um, because the reality is that our kids have a better chance of going through life um, struggling in some capacity with anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideations than they do going through it unscathed. And I, when we can come to this kind of awareness as parents that – I have to, this is no longer protecting my child. This is protecting and providing preparedness for my child. And I think that that has been a humongous shift um, in this particular generation, um, the younger generation, and in through COVID more than ever, that I think it's just so important that the preparedness factor, like we, I tell so many parents, that come to us. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that life coaching is still this luxury and that it's not really a necessity. It's something that people can, if they can afford it, they can do it. And um, I'm like, not, absolutely not. I mean, life coaching, therapy, psychiatry, psychology, I mean, a lot of this mental health and mental illness support, we are all in this realm of preparing our child for a very hard life. And um, they can't they can't avoid that. And I tell parents all the time that w- when you give your child a car and then when they get their license, you don't question giving them car insurance, putting car insurance on that car. Like, they don't even know about it. You're paying a ton of money for it. And you don't question why. You just do it because you're preparing them and you're securing them in case the worst case scenario happens. And I wonder with parents, and I, I would love your perspective of this, is like, why do we not see their life and their how they're operating in a day-to-day basis with themselves and others as um, just as important? Before we continue this week's conversation, I want to talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast, Evoke Creative. You can see more about them online, evokecco.com. And what's interesting is it, it feels like you can Google search everything, but there are some things that are just not available. And the other day I was talking to someone about social media and she said, well, what exactly would you say a social media content creator does or a social media content manager does or a social media content consultant. What do they do? And we started doing some searching online and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I actually want to talk to you about the individuals that know all of this and that's Evoke Creative. This is what they specialize in. And so instead of going and doing a bunch of Google searches and looking for what you're supposed to find and what you're supposed to ask, 
they do it all. They will help clean up your social media. They will help look at your digital online presence. They will help you come up with a plan. They will help you craft whatever it is that you need for social media content. They specialize in helping small businesses. So if this is you, because usually it's small businesses that are doing the Google search of what does a social media content manager do? (laughs) These are the women that you want to talk to. Tiffany and Crystal are so amazing to work with and they want to help you. EvokeCCO.com. It's EvokeCCO.com for Evoke Creative. All right, let's get back to this week's conversation. Uh, That's a great question. Um, I, I 100% want to be on board on with that. And I feel like I am on board with that. Um, I think it's the maybe generational aspect of it that we are now talking more about it now than ever before. Like, I mean, we didn't have these conversations in, in my house. Same. And like, I mean, I've even had we'll take it to another extreme, even the birds and bees talk. And I've had those experts on this podcast too. And I've said, I I did not have the sex talk. I or was never given the sex talk. Like you can see that. And I think that that's where it is. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think, cause I'm the same way. I mean, I'm 37. And so, I mean, I grew up in the, in the nineties and or I graduated in 2003 and same. I mean, I think there's, we all, I think, come from these different family dynamics and different family constructs and our parents um, and what they were struggling with and what they were going through. I mean, I, I, I have a great relationship with my mom now. Unfortunately, my dad has passed, but um, I asked my mom, like, just to try and get perspective, what were you going through when I was in, in high school? And she's like, we, the the hardest point in my life, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, gosh, really? I had no idea. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I think it's like we all have to kind of have this um, – it's just compassion towards one another in, in reflection of how our parents raised us and also in how we're raising our children and just recognizing that like everybody is going through a tumultuous period at every moment in their life at, at, from their perspective. And how do we make this this life, how do we provide them with tools and resources and and contacts and and um, mentors that outside of the family dynamic that are going to keep that kind of level um, neutral approach as the family dynamic is going through those tumultuous experiences? And um, I think that that's so important that it you, everyone says, you know, that old adage that it takes a village. And I, I think that when we can start recognizing that like we have to open our family construct up to a village. And that that requires a lot of trust. That requires a lot of faith. That requires a lot of, um, it, I mean, uh, investment in time, energy, effort, money um, to just provide those resources to the entire family construct. But it's so important. Well, what you just mentioned too about your mom and how you said, you know, what were you going through and and how would you know because she didn't talk to you about it. I think that that's also part of it. I think that the more that we can talk, if I am having a rough day and I'm, instead of going to my room and crying in a closet by myself, I think it's important my girls see that too. Yes. I think that it's important that they see that I'm upset and I'm honest with them. And 
the thing is, is, you know, I think every single parent wants to protect their kid. I mean, of course everyone does. And you don't want them to get hurt and you don't want them to experience the hard things, but they have to in order to grow and in order to make decisions on their own. But it's people like you who come in and say, okay, let's start equipping them with the different resources to help them navigate that. Do you think that's a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're we're not doing anything different than what parents do. You know, we're not helping them avoid you know, like they're because it's unavoidable. In today's society, they are going to struggle. They are going to experience stress and strain and a lot of just frustration in their life. It's unavoidable in today's society. But we're not helping them avoid it. We're helping them navigate it. I think that was like the perfect way to say it. We're and it's hard to navigate. I mean, if you, you know, like are about to climb Mount Everest, if you don't have the shoes and the knowledge and the know-how and the the tools and the water and all of the things that it's going to take for you to be successful in that journey, you will fail. And that's something that you have to recognize before you even start have your first step on the mountain, you know, I got to prepare for this journey ahead. And I think parents do an incredible job with helping, like helping children understand that this life, this is what life is going to look like. Look at me, like, look at all my journey, like sharing through our own experiences. Parents do such an incredible job at that. But I think what is difficult for parents is because there's an entire generation that has, has occurred between my daughter and I that, I don't understand what the journey is going to look like for her. You know, I can I can share my experiences and hope that she's going to avoid a lot of the missteps that I took, but I don't know what it's like to be a seven-year-old in 2023 post-COVID. I, I don't. And mm-hmm. I need to equip her with people that do. And those people are the ones that are have created successful businesses and nonprofits and support structures for seven-year-olds in 2023 going through life post-COVID. And that's what I provide to my child is all of the people that understand what this journey ahead is going to look like for her. And that's the other thing that I, I believe generational gaps is that we are talking about it and we are sending our kids to counseling and we are open about that with others. Like, hey, uh, we can't uh, meet you for dinner tonight because we have therapy sessions. The more we talk about that and the more we're open and honest about it, that's going to make it feel quote unquote more normal. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad too that, and I'm, I'm, I don't, I, you know, I just met you, but I'm so proud of you as a parent that you, you have, you share your, um, your moments of weakness with your children because, and I did the same thing a, a couple of weeks ago. I had like probably the hardest day of my entire entrepreneurial career. And I, I was hyperventilating. I, I mean, it was a really distressful day for me. And um, my child was getting off of the bus at the exact same moment that this all hit me. And I think it, my immediate reaction was, I gotta, I gotta push it down. I gotta like show up as a mom. I gotta get her food. I got it. Like I, you know, like protection mode. What does she need? Putting her before me. I think that parents, especially mothers, we do that so incredibly well, and it sometimes hurts our relationship with our children. And so mm-hmm. I had to, in that moment, be like, no, like. 
this is here. This is what's happening right now. I need to go show up for my child and be this. And it was such an incredible moment for my daughter and I, um, because when she walked in the door, she saw me breaking down and she immediately came to me and hugged me and just wrapped her arms around me. I was, and I was, I kind of brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. You know, I cried into her chest. I, I like was hyperventilating and she was holding me together. And I think, you know, those, and since then, I mean, that was a few weeks ago. Since then, my daughter has been asking, mom, are you okay? How are you doing today? Are you like, she's, I think she learned in that moment and this is, you know, I'm not a perfect parent anywhere near it, but I think in that moment, I gave her an opportunity to learn how to compassion and learn how to support someone who was sad. And um, she now is starting to practice that. And so I, I think when you when you talk about, you know, like we need to we need to share these moments with each other and not bury our grief, bury our emotions. Um, the more vulnerable and, and honest and raw and authentic we are, not only to our children, but also, to your point, the the people in our community and not be ashamed that our children are struggling, that you're struggling. Like share that struggle with others. More times than not, it's going to bring people together. I could probably talk to you all day long about all these things. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I want – there's this part of me that wants to go next into, you know, how I work on me, but there's also this part of me that wants to – talk a little bit more about the kids and the teenagers. I one thing I I that kept coming to mind when you were talking and, and maybe this is for me and for my kids, I don't know, but when you were talking about having a sad moment, um I know that this has been a little while, but it keeps coming back to me and it is and I know not everyone knows every single celebrity that exists, but um Twitch, who, if you aren't familiar with who he is, he was a dancer. He was on So You Think You Can Dance. I don't know his exact bio, but most probably famous for being the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Um, when he took his life, that it's still it's it's hard because suicide, and I and I don't know if it's because of my age, but I will never forget. Being in high school, uh, unfortunately, I can't remember if it was when I was a freshman or a sophomore, but I remember over the speaker, the overhead speaker in the classroom, having the principal make an announcement about a classmate committing suicide. And I mean, at that time, again, I'm 45. So at that time, it was like, wow. Who says what? How do you process what? Like, what is it? Like, first of all, when you think about having it said over yeah. the loudspeaker, like, what? But back then, you don't know. And then it just has increased, like you mentioned. And and then I keep seeing these cases, and and I'm just like, I'm bothered by it because. I think that, you know, as someone who ha does suffer from depression and anxiety, sometimes individuals don't understand where the mind can go. I So there's that aspect on my end, but then I think about my kiddos because I've always said within the last probably five years is that sometimes 
it just feels like kids don't understand what suicide is. Like it's done. It's over. And I don't know how you communicate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is such a a hard, triggering topic, I think, for so many people. And I mean, when you look at just in the past five years of the celebrities, not only from my generation and older and this younger generation that have died by suicide. Um, I mean, gosh, Anthony Bourdain, um, Avicii. I mean, there's, there, the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And what I think is so, um, intimidating and overwhelming as just an average consumer, you know, an average person who sees these people as celebrities is that we so often look up to these people in social media and on TV and on movies and we're like, oh my God, they have such an incredible life and wow, like they're they're amazing and they're joyful and they're happy and they're wealthy and they're successful. Like, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And then we hear about this them, somebody that we look up to as seemingly joyful, that they then take their own life. And it's this, it's almost feels like a, like a jolt to us as consumers and people who we're doing the looking up to, you know? And I think what's so intimidating is that we question why, like, why is it that people in general, um, how do they get to this point where they feel like the only way out is to take their own life? Anybody in the world who gets to that point. And I've been there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, I've been at a point where I attempted to commit suicide when I was 20. And I I think for me and, and to so many, you know, the teenagers that I have spoken to and young adults and, and, you know, coaches that I work with in my company, when we talk about our experiences with attempting to commit suicide or knowing people who have died by suicide, um, a lot of our similar experiences is that everything just feels um, overwhelming. It's like falling down the rabbit hole and there's nothing to grasp onto. There's no amount of light in in that moment, no matter if you're a celebrity or you're a billionaire, no, no amount of light touches you and you just feel entrenched in darkness and you're not buried by it. You're falling uncontrollably through it. And I feel like so many people, um, myself included, in that moment, you, I felt like the only way to get out was, was to just stop it. Um, and I feel like for just so many, and I'm so sorry if anyone listening to this is triggered by this, but I feel like it's important. Like these are the conversations to have. Um, and in that moment, um, I think what's really important is that we teach people, we help people understand that when this moment happens in your life at any given moment, here's what we do. And sometimes I have families, like I have young girls who have worked with their moms or their, their parents um, in a method for these moments. And we they come up with a safe word. Like all, all I, I need to say, all you need to say in that moment is protect. And in that moment, what do you need me to do? And in that moment, the, the teenager will say, I just need a hug. I just need you to sit with me. I just need you to tell me how much you love me. I just need you to like not talk put a blanket around me, put on a movie, you know, protect me. And I feel like so many times we're 
And this is part of the generational, I think, dissonance is that as an older generation, we we look at suicide and, and these suicidal ideations, particularly as wow, I need to I need to lock them in a room and make sure they're safe. And sometimes that that is also the thing that keeps them there, that keeps them in that feeling. And that I think when we can just have these conversations, as much as we have, like, I mean, as important as it is to have the birds and the bees talk, like you talked about with our children. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about suicidal ideations. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk about anxiety and depression. And when what does it feel like and for you? And when you feel it, how what can I do to help you through it? I think this is a great time to talk about now how people can get a hold of you and what Positive Presence Global can do for not only the the kids, but also for adults. So I would love, Michelle, for you to just kind of walk through that and give out all that information. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Positive Presence Global, um, we're the largest life coaching company for teenagers and young adults nationwide. And um, we not only have our for-profit Positive Presence Global, but we also have a nonprofit arm, Positive Presence Foundation, that provides these services free of charge to people who can't otherwise afford them. And um, to learn more about Positive Presence Global and all of our different services that we offer, you can go to Positive Presence Global. And then for the programs, can you just walk through a little bit of what you do offer? Yeah. So our entire company um, ecosystem has been built on um, our curriculum that we created. And it's based in positive psychology, emotional intelligence, executive functioning, meta-learning techniques, all things that, you know, with all due respect to to the educational system, are somewhat lacking in um, what we're teaching our children in their day-to-day school and school experience. And so um, we've recognized and we have metrics to prove that when we can teach these people through various mediums about this particular, all of these different things that are going to help them operate in life successfully and, and get to a place of feeling completely fulfilled, that they, though a lot of those feelings of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations start to dissipate. So our entire vision and mission for the company is to eradicate teenage suicide globally by 2035 because we have the metrics to prove that when we do this successfully in all these different mediums, um, that's what happens. And um, so we've really, we're at this explosive um uh, moment in positive presence where we're building out so many different ways to be able to experience that um, that personal development. Um, we have an e-learning program. Our most uh, our, our biggest program that has been here since inception is our one-on-one mentor coaching program. Um, we also have um, affirming apparel that people can wear. It says I am, and when they're looking in the mirror, we teach them how to say positive things about themselves. We have positive presence planners. Um, there, there's just so many different things. We also have our parent coaching um, seminar that we're launching um, in middle of 2023. So our goal is to really help with every single part of the family dynamic, not just the teenagers and young adults. And I want to just ask this before we start to wrap up here is that when you said starting with that positive affirmations, the I am, it's just a reminder that this is not going to happen overnight. And, And this is even me just speaking out loud for myself, like you have to keep doing it. So one thing that I just wanted to ask, like if that is something that 
I'm struggling with. Let's say it's the the self-image issues. Is it one of those where I'm looking in the mirror or I'm writing down, I am, insert positive inf- affirmation here? Is that what you're equating that to? Yeah, absolutely. So all of our apparel literally just says I am. And when we buy when when we um, encourage people to purchase it, I mean a part of that that money goes back to our our foundation um, to help with people who can't otherwise afford these services. But what we're encouraging is that anybody, when you're looking in the mirror, any age, any size, any shape, um, that when that I am that is the reminder. It's the anchor for you to remember that when you look in the mirror, when you're looking at yourself, it starts with you and encouraging you to, in that moment, find something that you're proud of in yourself. Because when we operate from that place of, I I am strong, I am smart, I am incredible, I am a resource, um, I am a positive person. You know, When you start with that, that becomes this catalyst that you begin to kind of build this positive um, influence off of. And that influence creates positive ripple effects um, with everybody that you touch throughout that day. I love it. <laughs> love it so much. I mean, it's those simple two words. I am, and then obviously more words. That's the catalyst right there. And that is amazing. Michelle, thank you so much for what you're doing to help others. I know that I feel a little bit more confident now and uh, those hard talks, not easy, but when we have resources like you, it makes it a little bit easier. So thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, my friend. And and thank you so much. I'm always so humbled and just so honored that that people like you, Joe, even take the time to give me a platform. So so thank you for what you do as well. It's so important. And um, I'm so proud of, of you for the mom that you are and um, so proud of all of the moms out there. I, I mean, I really want to like applaud and give a standing ovation to just mothers all over the world. <laughs> like we really need to love. <laughs> thank you. One more shout out before we continue this conversation uh, for Evoke Creative, a proud sponsor of Two Kids and a Career. They are all about helping small businesses. They can create a logo for you. They can create a website for you. They can do a website refresh for you. They can do the artwork for your book. They can do the artwork for your journal. Whatever you need digitally done, creative-wise, they can do it. They can also give you Uh, recommendations on what you should be doing with your social media and what you shouldn't be doing or how you attract the best audience for your particular brand. These are all things that take so much time when you're doing the research on your own. Let the ladies at Evoke Creative do it for you. EvokeCCO.com. It's EvokeCCO.com for more info. And I would love for you to check out my website, JillDevine.com. And that's where you will find every single episode of the podcast, as well as different blogs on all kinds of cool things, parenting hacks, recipes, um, advice, just some good stuff there. And then also when you're there, you can find all my social media handles so you know where to follow me. I appreciate your support of Two Kids in a Career. As always, thank you so much.